everyone, and welcome to another amazing episode of The Joy of Being for busy working moms and women in business and beyond who are seeking to unplug from their worries and overwhelm to light up with insight and joy. I, your host, mum, and effortless lifestyle coach, Marina Pearson, talk to transformational professionals, business owners, and creatives about what it really takes to have a business and life you can truly enjoy. And remember, you can find me on Instagram at Marina Pearson or my Facebook group, The Joy of Being. And if you'd like a more personalized touch to live a stress-free life, then why not find out more about The Joy of Being Retreat, an intimate four-day profound experience at a luxury venue in Javier, Spain, where you get to experience your inner calm and peace of mind by slowing down and making space. To find out more, email me at marina marinapearson.com with Joy of Being Retreat in the title. So today I interview the wonderful Phil Goddard. Now, Phil isn't just a friend. He is also a stellar coach who has worked with athletes, organizations and Hollywood actors to help them live a life of love and effectively more peace. And today we picked a topic that really flies in the face of what most personal development, self-help gurus and books talk about, which is you have to do something to help you get rid or move towards peace. Now, we took the conversation in a completely different direction and pondered what if you don't actually need to do anything to end the suffering What if, in fact, the search to end the suffering keeps you stuck in the suffering more of the time? And that's what we decided to explore today, because what I found is that during my journey in in transformation over the last 14 years is that this very thing is true. So if you're wondering why none of the tools or the techniques or maybe even the seminars that you've been to have helped and maybe you are looking for something that will catapult and accelerate that and the good news is this you actually don't need to do anything or no anything in particular for that to happen so if you're curious or if you know of anybody that is going through a tough time or you are as well, then this is going to be a great episode for you. Enjoy. So welcome, Phil. I'm super excited to have you on the Joy of Being podcast today. And I invited you on because I've been loving your Facebook posts all around identity and who we think we are and our true nature and spirituality. And I'd love us to start with how you're seeing it right now. Cause often, you know, I've, I've certainly seen that we're not our body. We're not our thinking, but I would love to, for you to share what you're seeing right now with regards to, you know, our identity really. Yeah. Thank you. It's great to, great to be talking with you. Thank you. Um, what I'm just seeing increasingly well, if I go back a step, because what, what, what I've seen for many, many, many years, I started looking at human behavior in 1998, and there has been this relentless quest um, to find something that will have us feel better, to have us be able to handle all that life presents us with. Um, 
And, you know, the answer really is in, <laughs> is indeed in the title of this podcast, The Joy of Being. I mean, that's, that's it. That's it in a nutshell. But um, I, I've, you know, I've subscribed to uh, many ideas along the way in the past 20 years. Um, I notice a lot of my writing has been around um, in the last uh, probably 10, five, five, 10 years, been around, you know, we are love, we are this, we are that. And I guess a little bit more recently, I've just see, started to see more and more through even that. So, um, yeah, some of the posts I guess you've mentioned that you've seen me write, it's almost like we... We, for me at least, I can speak from my experience and probably can speak um, in limited terms to experience of some of my clients is that um, there's this massive realization that we have that, oh, okay, so we're not our thinking. Maybe we're not even the thinker. Maybe all that's just going on and that's all lovely. Um, Which, which, like subscribing into that idea, and don't get me wrong, that whole that whole thing about yes, I'm feeling my thinking, that really looks so true to me, absolutely. Um, and that's been really liberating in helping um, me and many many people. It helps many many people to um, see that there is some detachment. There is indeed some separation. I'm doing air quotes here. Some separation because I'm sure we'll talk about that word a little bit more um, between you know our circumstances and how we experience all of our circumstances. And yet, there's there's I've offered it. I've offered um, something that uh, in order for you to feel good, to feel better, and. Um, Mine has been for many years, well, you are love. You're the energy of love. And in some respects, like, I believe that. I believe that to be true. But what I'm seeing more and more is, of course, that what that belief is made up of. It's made up of the same stuff as all of the, all of the things that have me suffer, all of the things I believe that have me suffer. Um, so <clears throat> it really comes down to when somebody is presenting any kind of idea as truth, it's kind of a little, <laughs> a little red flag pops up, and sometimes it's more red on on some days. It's more red than other days. <laughs> but um, I just I I've got to just seeing seeing through that even just this whole idea of 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 truth. So we can only ever present an idea, and and that aligns like aligns perfectly with this. <laughs> with our quest, with our constant quest to find something that has us, that has us feel good to make some kind of sense of this thing called life. And a lot of the stuff that I've seen doing around right now is when you discover like a true self, when you discover who you really are, then, then you feel peace. Um, I read recently, it was something um, just, just I think yesterday, the day before, it actually says, knowing, um, what was it, knowing that we're all one, one being, and having a real life experience of separation, allows us to play full out at being human, right, with less suffering. And I think, well, how about just allowing the second part anyway? Like, do I really need to believe and know that we are all one? for me to just play 
as a human being with less suffering? Do I really need to discover who I really am and understand who I am to suffer less? And I think, um, whilst, you know, I think all of the intentions here are good. All of the intentions here are to, to help people indeed, um, go through this thing called life with less suffering. But to me, that just looks like yet another concept, yet, a, yet another idea. And I, I, I think it's much more helpful for us to see through all of it and see that we can play, engage all of the sufferings, normal. Um, we don't have to believe anything. And indeed, we don't have to believe our beliefs, if that makes any sense. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is that in looking to find our true nature, looking to find that peace. It's just another way of moving away from the messiness of being human. In other words, the suffering. And I, yeah. and I, and what came to mind when you were talking was the sense of, well, actually, uh, Sydney Banks quote, which is, oh gosh, I'm going to not do it justice. Actually save me here. If, if I don't actually, <laughs> Which is, um, if only we weren't so scared of our experience, then that alone would change the world. Or yeah, and I don't know it word for word, so, so I'm, I'm, I'd probably paraphrase as well. It was exactly that, something along the lines of, um, you know, if, if only we could learn to not be afraid of our experience, that alone would change the world. Absolutely. Um, and I, and I. And I invite people to consider, well, what if you just give up that whole quest of needing to know who you are? Like, what if you really do not need to know who you are? What if you really do not need to know what your true essence is? What if you really do not need to know your true self? Like, really, if, if there is no search. Because otherwise, we are simply just giving something else, yet another idea for people to cling on to, to search for. It's and almost it's, like once I once I find my true self, then I can just be happy. Indeed, yeah. And, and to be honest with you, that's just as valid to say. Well, once I find a blue banana, I'll be happy. <laughs> oh, I like blue bananas, and they seem to make me happy. Actually, Phil, <laughs> it's just as it's just as made up. Like I, I get it. People tell me, you know, oh, I've had that feeling. Believe me, me too, me too. I've been exploring this stuff for a very, very long time. And, and um, I can call it a trap. That does sound a little bit strong. But I have fallen into that trap. Of, oh, this is it. This is it. This is what I've been looking for. This is why, oh, I've handed over my money and um, this teacher is presenting something to me. Yeah, oh, the, my goodness, that feels so true. Now I finally know. Now I'm relieved. Okay, now I'll go out and live life to the full. It doesn't matter if I screw up and I can, I don't even have to try and be anybody. I just be me. It's such freedom in knowing this thing. Well, all of that beautiful feeling is available to you without you knowing without you knowing anything it's it's the search and the then the 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 quest as part of that search that i think increases our suffering this belief that we need to know and i see these teachers are banging out that that like this is all we need to know this is just this you are one you are one like you know what that might be true we might get to whatever happens when our body dies um and we might really really feel that we're in touch with that 
but I think even the opposite to that could be true. Like even what we think as our individual being and our individual um, expression of spirit, what if that breaks down even more rather than actually we come back to um, going back to some idea of being like, how on earth can we know? How on earth can we know? And look, I don't want to really belittle it because anything, anything that does um, help somebody to feel good, if it's not to their detriment in any way, yeah, cool with that. Really cool with that. Um, but that's not, to my, to my mind, that's not the the end game. That's not the backstop. I think there's a, there, there is this subtlety that um, can open it up even more. And that is to see, yeah, you like the idea, don't you? That feels really good. Well, there you go. That That idea is made up too. So there's even more freedom than than you'd believed there's there's even more freedom available to us than the freedom in believing in we are one and the freedom is that we don't have to believe anything (laughs) and you know even what you're saying there is also the way you're seeing it as opposed to you know and that could change oh yeah absolutely absolutely i might come across you know a green leaf um, growing in somebody's garden that's the answer to you know peace in the universe and i'll be preaching about that i mean really it's, it, it is i just see the complete made up nature of it the complete made made up nature of it all you know I, I, again there's something i i saw literally just before we come on the call you know a, a friend of mine and i get it i mean she's lovely she writes this beautiful beautiful stuff and and i don't really want to this is really not personal it's not but but i'm going to use like a last, a last line to illustrate my point. There's this beautiful piece, and then there's this piece at the end, know who you are, then live it. And I think, well, up to then, I was good, but now you've given me a condition. Oh, shit, I've got to know who I am. So we're back to the search. Yeah. And, um, okay, then I'll find an answer. I'll find this idea of who I am, and then I can live it. No, you, you, really, you're here just to live. Yeah, that's really interesting. I um I was having a conversation with someone yesterday on a podcast and uh we were talking about, you know, the usual psychotherapy model and how for me personally it just really didn't help because it was a constant navel gazing exercise of who am I? Why am I the way I am and why have I why have I become the way I've become? And um I found it very confusing because it was just made up and there were all these concepts and constructs around who I am. And I remember um, there was this one night when I was lying in bed with, with pregnant with Leo in Bali and this new thought popped into my head, which was a question, which was along the lines of who am I when I'm not, you know, a coach or a, all these labels that I put on myself. And all I heard was, I am. That was it. I didn't hear anything else. And I was waiting for the answer. And then I realized, oh, that is the answer. There's nothing that comes after that. And I don't need to know what comes after it, even if there was something. It's just, I am. I am that. I am. (laughs) Um, And it was cool because it, it was like, oh, good. I can stop searching with regards to who I am. I know I am. That's it. I, I know I live. That's it. Um, and it was very, very freeing to see that. Um, 
and to see that I didn't keep, need to keep searching and keep navel gazing as to who I am. So, yeah. do, are you saying you, you 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 now get who you are, or that you get that it you don't need to know who you? I are? don't need to know. That's what I yeah. saw. Yeah, that's for me. Yeah, I'm with you on that, and that's just our idea, right? That's just yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that might change because <laughs> I guess anyone that's listening in, and then I go, yeah, yeah, but how does this even help me? Well. I guess there's a first instance where, you know, the joy of being is just to be, be just, you know, be who you be without the concern of who you are. That self-concern is what gets in the way. Um, You know, the self-concern of who am I, what judgment, you know, kind of like the judgments that we have and the crazy moments that we have about uh, beating ourselves up and all that sort of stuff. Um, and, and asking these questions around, am I bad? Am I good? Am I, you know, a good mom? Am I a, a good mother? Am I a good wife? Am I a good, all of those sorts of looking in that direction, I have found to be very, very unhelpful. Um, so I guess the direction that me and Phil are taking this conversation in is really like, you don't need to know and it's fine. You just, as, as you say, need to live. And, and, and I think there's something to be said about, um, and you know, me and Phil may see this differently in a year's time. It might be interesting to have another podcast session with <laughs> Phil to discuss this very same point to see if you're seeing it in the same way. By then you might have turned into a green leaf. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Or a blue banana. <laughs> <laughs> there's this quote, I used to have it on the back of my business card. Um, it's, uh, we shall not cease from exploration. And the end of all of our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. That's that's T.S. Eliot. I've got a slightly subtle, different take on that. It would be, and to realize we'll never know the place. And that's that's totally cool, dude. (laughs) Not knowing is, is like the coolest thing going. Yeah, there's a lot of... Well, a lot of, I don't know that I guess there's freedom in that because you don't have to figure it out. I think it's, it does. And I think this is why there's so much discussion around it. There's, there's, there is, that's probably the ultimate question that man has asked, you know, men and women have asked for millennia. Who are we? Who am I? And um, for me and people that I've been working with recently, seeing that that's unanswerable has felt much more helpful than finding just yet another answer, just net yet another made up idea of an answer. Because the danger is if that's something that can never be known, um, <clears throat> the chances are if I buy into a particular concept now, which I have done, I mean, like, you know, I have done, we are love. I've said that so many times. And in, in some respects that to me, I can, I, I, I believe that, but I see what the belief is made of. Right. So, um, the danger in that of course, is that there'll just be yet another concept coming along sometime later, there will be a blue banana or a green leaf that shows up. Now, if I, once I see how made up that all is, 
I'm just seeing like the, the, the multi-layers of this because I'm about to say something which I don't agree with. Completely. <laughs> <laughs> Once I see the made-up nature of that, then, yeah, I, 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 I do see that it is all play. That is all play. Like, it's all good. Like, it's all good. Because, I, I mean, I'll often say, and I can be quite provocative, and I generally am very loving and playful in discussions around this, and it's, it's, quite, amu- it's, it's quite amusing to see how that can be taken personally because I'm, I'm, never, I'm never being personal. Um, but it's, it's quite amusing to see how that's taken that way. I might suggest, yeah, that's a nice idea, my friend. That's a really nice idea. And then what's come back is, well, it's not an idea, it's the truth. And I think what people miss is it looks to me like truth is also an idea. Truth is also an idea. Like here we are, here we are, um, Marina, sitting on this call, each of us in front of our computer or phone, whatever. I mean, is that true? I know it really looks like it. It really feels like it. And I can sit deeper into my chair and I can relax and breathe and really get in touch with what I think is my true self. Am I sitting here in front of the computer? You know, it's, it's, it's still an idea. We don't really know. Even when I was a young kid, you know, I used to have this thought arise occasionally that at some point during my life, somebody was going to pull off this, uh, I guess, you know, um, well, they had been virtual reality headset. I didn't even know what that was at the time, but something like that, that they would, somebody would come along and pull off this virtual reality headset, a bit like the Matrix, I guess, and like, ah, I fooled you. We don't know. We don't know anything. We don't know anything. So great, play with your ideas and it feels good, brilliant. But if you're holding on to an idea um, because you think that reduces your suffering, let me tell you, you don't need any idea to reduce your suffering. So it begs the question, at least what, what kind of occurs to me when, when I'm hearing you speak, is if someone is suffering and listening to this podcast, what next? Yeah, indeed. What next? Well, I know that suffering comes and goes. I know that's like, that's one thing I, it looks like I know it, it is. It's, um, you see, here we are finally, yes, we're exploring and talking about this human stuff, like delving into that. Um, if you're, if you come to me and you're, you're really suffering and I remind you, well, you're all one, that to me, it's never felt particularly helpful. It might once I'm through the majority of my suffering, but when I, I've been right down in the mire, as I know you have at times as well, Marina, we all have, right? We've had stuff going on. Um, all we, all I think that we're looking for is a way out of the suffering, mm. a way out of the suffering. And, you know, some people take what they consider to be perhaps the ultimate way out. It's very sad. Um, a way out of the suffering. You don't need to know anything um, to get out of the suffering. The suffering will subside. Suffering, it, um, again, we can cling to it. We can, 
we can resist it. Uh, this kind of touches it's a good segue actually into something else I wanted to really just touch on. Um, I've had a, a very dear friend of mine come to me recently, um, the breakup, and all I could offer her was, I promise you it's going to change. I promise you it's going to look different at some point in time. I had pretty tough times last year, and I, and I woke up one morning and thought, huh, I feel different. The whole thing looks different. I can't tell you, I could tell you what I did, everything what I did, but I don't think that matters. It's like, I think how we see things changes irrespective of all what we do, not because of it. I loved, I loved what you said um, when we had our, yeah, you know, Phil and I have conversations outside of our podcasts and um, we were talking about this very thing, weren't we? And we were talking about how in the past when I've, I mean, I've been through two divorces. You have too, it seems. <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah, I've got that badge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'll be going for my hat trick. Anyway, so um, we were talking about that very thing where inevitably you will see it differently, feel different. And I, and what I heard in that was very much the same as, you know, when you fall over and, and graze your knee or mm. cut yourself, that your body takes care of it. Yeah. It heals without you needing to do anything about it. Okay, unless you break your leg or you have to go to the doctor and, you know, put a pass. But the point being is that with that support, your leg heals. I mean, that's, that's incredible to me that we have this body that we're in that actually does stuff that we don't even need to think about. It just does stuff irrespective of whether we think we're all one or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it just and kind of happens. We don't need to buy into any idea for that to happen. In fact, the less ideas we buy into, the better, because that just simply allows whatever that that is that's doing that healing, whatever it is, I've got no idea. Some will call it God, some call it spirit, universe, whatever. We've got a thousand different names for it. Whatever that is, it's, it, it will do its thing anyway. Yeah, like I, I, kind of hearing you speak reminds me of those moments where my son, Leo, wouldn't sleep. Or at least, you know, nighttime would come and I'd be like, oh God, here we go again. And, you know, when he was one or whatever, and he'd be there for hours kind of going, oh God, can you just sleep now, please? <laughs> and and it was because, you know, my head would go into the moment of where this is never going to end. This is never going to end. He's going to be awake now for the rest of his life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be awake for the rest of my life too. Oh, no. <laughs> and it was in one of those moments that I realized this will end. It always does. And he will go to sleep. And so, and it's speaking to the same thing, which is your suffering will subside. And you'll just carry on. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I relate to that as well, by the way. I mean, when I was, uh, I, I wrote about this a while ago, I don't know, a couple of years ago. Um, 
about, I used to have nightmares when I was a kid. I think around about the age, like seven or eight, I really can't remember it with any great accuracy, but I do have some mild recollection of it, what it was like. And it was, I, my mother would take me downstairs and we'd sit on the sofa together. I kind of sit on her lap or right beside her and she'd have her arm around me. And I was like half awake, half asleep. And I would be screaming in horror. I thought there was something coming, some kind of monster coming towards me. And, um, all my mother did was just be with me. And these, these would be the small hours of the morning, right? Two or three o'clock. But she would just be with me, not doing anything. She'd just be with me and hold me. And um, she wasn't trying to teach me anything. <laughs> we are one, Phil. She was saying, wasn't she saying, we are one? She we was one. Just, Doesn't that make you feel better? <laughs> she, she was just with me. Now, we could argue, well, my mother being with me reminds me that we're all one. It reminds me of the womb and whatever. I don't know. But... Um, Look, that's all she was just with me. She was she was just with me. Now my 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 father, bless his heart, right, because that's what he thought was the best. He thought just put him back to bed. I didn't know this until much later when we spoke about it. You know, just put him back to bed, um, he will he'll get over it. Now there's probably some truth in that, but but I do think my mother being with me probably did help to um you know, reduce the trauma that I was going through where probably being abandoned to just thrown back in bed might've increased it. Perhaps we'll never know, thankfully. Um, but that was all there was to it. So, so coming back to that question, when somebody comes to us and they're suffering, well, my mother knew it would pass. My mother knew it would pass. So she was just with me in her knowing that it would pass. Yeah, there's something to be said for that. I remember listening to a um, recording of Bill Pettit's wife, and I cannot remember her name. Linda? Is it Linda? I'm not sure. Anyway, um, she was talking about this very thing. Mrs. Pettit, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I guess that would make sense. And she was talking about this very thing where she had a client who was dying of, I think she was not dying of cancer, but she had cancer. And um, at one point, Linda, Miss Pettit, um, started to worry about her client. And a client turned around one day and said, stop it. And she goes, what? And she goes, stop worrying. You usually don't worry. And when you don't worry, it makes me realize that there's nothing to worry about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, those conditions creep in all the time as well. Right? Um, in that both sides of that coin, do we think worrying um, helps? That's worry, worry. Do we think not worrying helps? So that's why we tell people not to worry. Um, I don't know that either is true. Well, um, I think we've been conditioned possibly to think that if we don't worry, we don't care. Yeah. But actually what I've seen is when someone is suffering, the best way I can care for them is to actually know that it will pass and to see that it will pass. Yeah, maybe, see, maybe this really is all about trust. If we want to give it a name and a label, because, you know, as humans, we love to do that, don't we? Um, maybe this is all about trust. So if, if, if people are abandoning, or 
about some form of identity, be it, you know, we are love, we are one, we're bananas, whatever. That's, that gives us something to trust in. <laughs> um, something to hold on to. Yeah. And, and you remind me, my mother called me up this is a few years ago now. She called me up and she said, um, your brother's uh, had a motorcycle accident. He's in hospital with a head injury. That's all we know. I just felt this incredible peace. Okay. That's all we know. Okay. I wasn't worried. You know, I was concerned, as in that had some of my attention. That's what concern is. Okay, that has some of my attention, my loving attention. But I wasn't worried. There was an element of trust. In fact, I do remember thinking, oh, okay, well, whatever is wrong with him, he's in the hospital. That sounds like that's the best place. So it was like complete trust in whatever was going to happen. It's like a roller coaster, kind of what came to mind. Like, mm. I went on a roller coaster in, in Orlando recently called the, the Green Hulk. And granted, um, it was a full on roller coaster. Like it had three, I don't know how many loop the loops it had, but it had quite a few. And the G force when you came out was just like full on, like uh, got oh. the ramp and it shoots <laughs> out. Um, now I hadn't been on any kind of roller coaster since having my son Leo. And I'd started to, to sort of realize that there were a few things that my body changed <clears throat> like I used to be able to read at the back of the car and no problem but now I can't like I feel very very dizzy and very sick if I do so I have to sit looking out the front so I didn't realize that getting on roller coasters would have the same sort of effect on me I mean I was literally green by the time I got off that roller coaster ride but here was the thing. I was standing in line and all I could do was worry about me going on this roller coaster. And I'm like, why am I putting myself through this? I'm just like, oh my God, oh my God. Uh. Once I was on it, it was like, <laughs> yeah, bring it on. Um, and so what dawned on me while you were talking was, I think there's this, this resistance that we have to be human. Like it's so painful. It's so full on. It's so intense. I just don't want to be here but actually it can be kind of fun like I had a blast on that roller coaster ride I shut my eyes I screamed a bit um I probably my knuckles probably went white (laughs) (laughs) but it was fun um yeah yeah beautiful doesn't appeal to me I have to say life is more than enough of a roller coaster I mean I really (laughs) yeah it's a great metaphor anyway (laughs) oh yeah absolutely definitely Definitely. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't know that there really are. Okay. There probably are some teachers out there who, who are using um, their ideas of who we are or whatever to, to, to perhaps deflect us away from the experience of being human, perhaps, perhaps, but I don't know that that's true in all cases. And certainly not in some of the communities who admit to it. I don't see that. I think my bone of contention, if you want, is that I don't, I don't think we need to, um, I don't think we need to buy into any idea um, to have us like fully experience life, to, to allow us to like playful out of being human. 
we, no. we really don't need anything for that. We don't need to understand anything. We don't need to know who we are. It's just, it's, so it's all good fun, all good, clean fun. Sometimes not so clean. Yeah, sometimes very messy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But going back to this of, you know, I, I, I don't know about you, Phil, but I used to use alcohol and uh, not eating and working 18 hour days to not feel. It was a great way to just um, numb any type of feeling that I was in. Mm. And, um, but over time, I've realized that um, that very wanting to escape away from was actually keeping me stuck in, in this, I don't want to be human, which I am, you know, we all are. And it was a question of like, well, what happens if I could just feel like what would happen if I could just feel the suffering, feel the pain, feel those dark nights of the soul whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Like when I was going through my divorce a few, um, about a year and a half ago, there were moments where I wanted to just not be here anymore. Like literally it was weird. It was like, you know, the old suicide thoughts came back. It was mm-hmm. quite bizarre. I didn't, I didn't, I thought they'd, they'd gone. I thought they'd disappeared. I thought they'd been put to bed, but they, they reared their ugly head again. And there were, there were nights where I was like, I'm done. Like take me like, I don't know how you're going to take me. Give me some sort of bad illness or whatever. Just take me. I don't want to be here. I don't want to feel the way I'm feeling. Mm. And then the next day it, it wouldn't be there anymore. You know, another moment had come in and I was, I was back to kind of being normal, you know, just, <clears throat> it wasn't as a, as intense. So it was getting, it was almost like, I don't want to say getting comfortable with, but just experimenting with this feeling thing. Like, oh, I feel, oh, that's really intense. Oh, like a bit like the roller coaster, which is like, oh my God. Ah. Oh, it passed. Oh, it started again and it passed again. Yeah. Um, and so there was this sense of this loosening away of this fear I had about that feeling needing, you know, avoiding that, th- those feelings. Can you say, can you, can you identify with that? Is there something? Oh, totally. And, and it, it is, oh, how much, how much of our life energy do we put into trying to avoid experiences? I mean, wow. Wow. As you I know, said, I do it. <laughs> alcohol, eating, um, you know, oh, oh, good gracious. Like, and it, the people I think are having the most fun in life seem to be doing that less as to not putting so much energy into avoiding experiences. You know, it's completely okay and natural to feel suicidal and to consider that, to have those thoughts come and arise. That is completely natural. And it really is. It is? Yes. As far as I can make out, I don't know as a human being, I can have a, a thought and a feeling that's unnatural. Certainly that, that, um, look, there's, there's no feeling and thought I can have to me that as a human, I'm not meant to have. Otherwise I wouldn't have it. I'm just human. It's like, <laughs> it, comes, it goes, it just makes sense to me. 
and I don't have to do anything with it. That I think, and I think that's the point that we're, we're <laughs> what we're alluding to. Really, all of this stuff, we don't have to do anything with that. We don't have to try and avoid that. Just like people who have suicidal thoughts, right? And and okay, so I I, I can speak personally about this because I, I made a suicide attempt in my twenties. So I was I will say instead of generalizing, I will say that I felt suicidal and felt I had to then therefore take action to avoid no longer feeling suicidal. But you know what? Um, since then, I have had similar feelings and thoughts arise and have not taken any action, and it has passed. I don't know who it was. I don't know if it's Michael Neal or whatever is suggesting. I started writing a piece about this, um, about this term we use, rest in peace. We, you know, once people have passed, we wish, wish them, don't we, rest in peace. It's perfect. It's, it's perfectly possible for us to rest in peace whilst we're still around. We just have to allow it. It, 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 it will and can come. It can and will come. Without, when, when we are no longer putting so much energy into change our experience, our experience tends to change. On its own. I remember um, we, you and I seem to have very similar pasts. Um, I, uh, I, I had a suicide attempt in my 20s and then in my 30s I went through a very painful divorce, or at least it was very, looked very painful to me. And what was interesting about this is that there had already been some sort of a shift in thinking because I didn't top myself, although I thought about it. I did something else. I took myself to the hospital for them to give me something to calm me down. So that was a very, you know, 10 years on, now, I didn't know about personal development. I didn't know about, you know, changing my consciousness or anything like that. All I, now looking back on that, I'm like, oh, actually, I must have had some sort of a, an insight or some sort of new thought come in, pop into my head that that changed the way that I acted on that very thing. And now, you know, 10 years on, seems to happen every 10 years, actually. So um, I... I didn't even go to hospital. So it was literally like, take me. And then the next day I was like, oh, whatever, whatever that was is gone. Um, so it seems that the, you can still experience the same thing in the same intensity because it, it looked to me like it was the same intensity. Um, but have a different experience of it, or at least, or at least, your actions around it change? Well, I think um, our relationship with our experience can change. Certainly, I, th- I think mine has. Well, I think once when we... See, <laughs> I'm doing it again, aren't I? I've been prescriptive. Once we see how our experience is created, it does look like that, that kind of loosens things up a little. Um, so I can see like, I mean, I, I, I was saying last year when talking to my friends, 
um, wow, I've, I've felt like worse than I felt, you know, in my, when my first marriage broke up, my family fell apart on my vote. I felt worse than that, but better equipped to handle it. Now, I don't even know if that's true mm. because I don't really know how I felt when my first marriage broke up. It felt horrendous. All I've got is memory of it. And, you know, that memory is completely fabricated now. So I don't really know. But at the time, it was looking like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, this just, this, I feel so broken down, down, sad, upset. But yeah, I, I get that I'm better equipped to handle it. And you know what? Um, <laughs> that's the that's part of the illusion as well. I'm better equipped. Well, not really, because I, I don't have anything more now than I did, you know, 20 years ago when that marriage broke down. Um, it just looks different. When I um going back to what you said about it passing, I I was in it reminded me of a moment where I was in Bali and I decided to meditate one day and I sat on the bale outside and had had been sitting for about five minutes and suddenly felt this very uncomfortable feeling in between my legs. <laughs> Burning feeling. And I realized, oh, bugger, I've been bitten by a mosquito. And my usual reaction to being bitten by a mosquito would be to scratch it. And then it would just, it would itch even more and, and so forth. And I was just about to do that when a new thought popped into my head that said, don't leave it. And I was like, okay, I'll just do that then. And what was really cool was that literally two minutes later, it it stopped (laughs) itching. The pain, the pain had subsided. And so had the burning feeling. And that's when I realized I was like, Oh, what if I just left things alone? They just seem to go away on their own. Mm-hmm. That's um, funny. Yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, I don't need to itch or scratch it and, and make it bleed and then wait for my, <laughs> and wait for, for, you know, the, um, what's the stuff that comes after it bleeds? The, the skin, the, the crusty skin on the top. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah great. <laughs> I could just let it be and it will just go by itself and I can just not bother with, any of the other bits uh, had ex- uh, had an almost identical experience by the way when I was in Greece a couple of weeks ago walking <laughs> it's, it's really funny isn't it and I had exactly the same thought you know I was walking I was walking from Sylvie the place where I stay into Zanti Town which is about an hour's walk really beautiful and I got bitten on my leg and I remember exactly I can I remember exactly where I was on on that walk because because it was very, it was a very, like automatically would reach down or I'd stop and give it a rub and a scratch or whatever. And I just thought, you know, oh yeah, but yeah, that stings. Uh, um, I'm just going to leave it. I'm going to carry on walking. And actually until you mentioned it, I'd forgotten about it completely since. <laughs> but it went yeah. away on its own. It went away on its own without me knowing who I was. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, <laughs> <laughs>
It's a funny game. It's a funny game, Marina. And it's all, all, all made up. I just see it so much. It's all, like everything is made up. Even that stuff that we feel with all of our might is so, so, so true. Um, it's all made up. I don't know who it was. It's an NLP guy. Oh my goodness. Can't think of his name now because I haven't touched any NLP for like 10 years or more. Um, Richard Bandler, maybe. Anyway, it might have been might have been the other one. <laughs> Who said something like, There are people all over the world stuck in various stages of my personal development. And I thought, yeah, that's cool. Because what he's saying is there are things that he preached and taught that people have taken that really on board as truth and clung to it. And um He's moved on. He sees something different. And all what we've spoken about today, Marina, not only might look different in a year's time, it probably will look different in a year's time. And when I see, and I think that for me, currently, (laughs) that's what really looks helpful. Uh, Some clients recently have really got that, who have for years and years been searching for something. They've studied A Course in Miracles, all of the Enneagram stuff, the three principles. I mean, you name it, all the Byron Katie stuff and whatever, and just come to see, huh, everything. It's all made up and it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. It's a nice idea and doesn't matter. A client said to me recently that he his takeaway was, nice idea, doesn't matter. Yeah, what I heard in what you said is that when you, that it's when you see something and then you see it differently and you know that that is actually, it, it's almost like an evolution of, 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 well, it's an evolution really of how you see things and they change and, and, and what have you that you don't need to cling on to what you see right now as truth. I'm watching a movie even when I don't think I'm watching a movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it lessens its grip, like this idea that that is yeah. truth and that it will be like that forever. Oh, like, it just it's become it, for me at least. It's yeah. it just seems much more amusing, much more amusing. And indeed, so I made this post about my dad on Father's Day. So we're, we're recording this a few days after Father's Day, and I made this post because I've like for years and years and years I clung on to my own opinions about my dad, and it was only last year where we reconnected, and I. I had been seeing, you know, for quite some time what my opinions were made of, um, except in this one area with my dad. And it was, I think it was in giving less credence to my own opinion that I was able to understand his a little more. And for years and years, we hadn't really connected or been close because of the importance, the self-importance we were giving to our own opinions. And a few people reach out to me after that post, and I've spoken to a few people um, one-on-one privately, and it's all it's the suffering um, through either, you know, it was actually with um, one person with a mother and two people um, with their dad. And it was, 
is those three people are all suffering um, for the same reason. And that was the credence they're giving to their own opinion. And one person said to me, oh, my goodness, it's so uh, such a relief in realizing I don't actually have to change my opinion. That's what, that's what um, they've been trying to do for years and years. Oh, I don't have to change my opinion about my parent. Oh, thank God. Because I've been struggling with trying to change my opinion because it just, it would be like lying to myself to think it was okay for my parent to behave in this way. I don't have to change. No, you don't have to change your opinion. The, the, the freedom isn't seeing that it's your opinion. <laughs> it's your opinion. That's it. It's made of the same stuff as your parent's opinion. as my opinion my idea it's made all made of that same stuff and that um for this for this person i spoke to that um it's like so much relief in seeing that just so much relief in just seeing huh that they had been pitching one made-up idea against another and that's all we're ever doing it really is actually all we're ever doing so I don't have to come up with what I think is a better idea. I don't have to come up with an idea of, well, we're all one, which might well be true. And, you know, in the deeper part of my being, I can imagine it to be true or anything else or, or really any other idea that we are God and that we are love. I can come up with all of those ideas. <clears throat> but just see that too is, is made up. <laughs> Takes the pressure off. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me of this. Um, you can be right or be happy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, sometimes I'm right and happy, and sometimes I'm wrong and happy. I used to think that that you would have to agree in order to for someone to like, like yeah like I really I see this differently now where two people can think very differently and and majority of us do and not agree but that doesn't mean anything unless we decide it does yeah unless we decide it does but I used to think give it so much meaning as to they don't agree and because they don't agree, they don't love me. And because they don't love me, um, yeah. I'm nothing and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, as opposed to, Oh, they have their opinion. I have mine. You don't agree. <laughs> that's it. Well, that's it. And, and um, maybe this is why I got a little worked up about it. To be frank, I was having a discussion. I got involved in a Facebook debate and, and uh, around this stuff, and somebody said, oh, don't worry, mate, you'll, you'll get there eventually. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? And, uh, exactly that. But the thing is, whilst I could get worked up about it, I could see that I'm getting worked up about it. And I find it really funny, even at the time I could see. So I guess I'm kind of blessed in that respect. But I'm also, then there is that mischievous side of me that says, mm, yeah, okay, I'll play. <laughs> <laughs> I'll play. Um, so I carried, you know, carried on and engaged and it, it kind of went downhill from there a little bit, but so maybe that wasn't a wise choice. Who knows? But, um, it's just funny to, 
to observe how when somebody doesn't have the same opinion as us, we have that thinking going on. Like, you know, this guy was saying, oh, don't worry, you'll get there eventually. As in, well, I'm right and, and you'll discover it eventually. Or you'll, you'll, come, you'll come to the same conclusion as me eventually. It's, that's just hilarious to me. Yeah, I guess it's just one of those weird quirks that we have as human beings that we want yeah. everybody to actually think the same. I, I did say that is hilarious. Absolutely Whereas hilarious. It's not going to happen in the sense that <laughs> we all live in the separate realities. So, yeah, I mean, um, yeah. I mean, so, I'm not just laughing at their opinion. I'm laughing at the idea of opinion. I, I laugh at my own opinion all the time, like all the time laughing and catching myself uh, i always say it, it it it's not the content of somebody's conviction that fascinates me it's the strength of their conviction that fascinates me yeah i love that mm. and what would happen if we let go of that conviction yeah it would yeah. just be more playful mm-hmm So, Phil, what are you <clears throat> giving yourself permission to do more of these days? Oh, I don't even know if I need permission to do anything, do I? <laughs> no. So maybe I am, I'm giving myself more permission to not require permission. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for that. I really appreciate it. So, You're so yeah, um, thanks to everybody that's been listening today. Uh, Phil, if, if anybody wants to contact you, how can they do that? Yeah, I'm reasonably active on Facebook and I made it very easy for you to find me by going to fbphil.com. So that's fbphil.com. Um, and you can also find my email address and a few other things and find my podcast on my website, which is philg.com. Yeah, and it's a great podcast, um, This Coaching Life. I loved it. and I've had some great guests on there, Marina. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Like, especially, especially one of them, Marina, she's apparently supposed to be awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our conversation as always. As always. And for those of you that have been listening in, um, I hope you enjoyed it and got as much out of it as I did until the next time. Bye bye for now. And there you have it. Another wonderful episode of the joy of being. If you loved what you heard here today and it's been helpful, why not subscribe or share the podcast with others? And if you're curious as to how you can experience more joy in your life and feel carefree, then I invite you to download your Joy Catalyst Scorecard at www.marinapearson.com slash scorecard, which will help you identify the joy gaps and what you can do to fill them. And remember, you can find me on Instagram at Marina Pearson or my Facebook group, The Joy of Being. So until next week's episode, remember... You are the joy you seek.